0: Today is a day to acknowledge those who have died from overdose and to respect those whose lives have been changed because of it. International Overdose Awareness Day focuses on recognising those who go unseen by remembering those who've lost their lives to addiction. The day also is to acknowledge and show compassion for the family and friends left behind. And by addressing the causes of addiction, it can help reduce potential harm. I'm joined now by Dr. Connor Hirties, consultant in pain medicine and anesthesiology at the National Orthopaedic Hospital at Capacona. Good morning. Good morning. Now, we're, we, we often see the headlines about people who die from an overdose and we're talking about addicts who may be found down an alleyway or whatever, but there's other kinds of inadvertent overdose as well. Opioids are commonly used. It's
1: a drug that's been first talked about uh, five and a half thousand years ago by the Mesopotamians and we still struggle to uh, rationalise how we should use it. Um we commonly use this in the treatment of cancer related pain, acute pain and chronic pain. There's definitely been an overprescription of opioids over the last number of years, particularly in North America, which has resulted in a huge number of deaths. Yeah. Which is-
0: I mean, the OxyContin story is well told. That uh, feature, I think it was on Disney Plus, Dope Sick. There's a, a current one, The Painkillers on Netflix, uh, which tell the story of, of the generation of an epidemic by the pharmaceutical industry. There was
1: certainly a huge push to market these medications to patients to be taken on a regular basis, which created a large reservoir of these medications in the community, particularly in deprived communities in North America. And that has been seen as a huge increase in deaths and overdose. So over 500,000 people in North America have died from prescription opioid overdose.
0: And this is not uh, the the people, as I say, who are found down an alleyway having OD. These are people who... End up in deep, deep trouble because of their own addiction brought about by their pain? Well, addiction, I suppose, and
1: chronic pain are very complex conditions, and it's very difficult to pinpoint it to one particular issue. There's emotional aspects to pain, there's socioeconomic aspects to suffering. Um, so, the interesting point from a lot of what was talked about in the US uh, scenario is that people who were, who were quite deprived, so particularly um, African Americans, actually were less likely to die of opioids prescriptions because they were less likely to access healthcare. So in actual fact, it was people who had access to these medications who are much more likely. And that's why we're kind of keen on opioid stewardship and we don't want to go down that road of having a large reservoir of these medications in the community. Now,
0: now do we use OxyContin in the uh, Irish medical system? Do we use fentanyl?
1: Yes, these are all very important drugs, particularly for the management of cancer related pain, acute pain and in certain circumstances with specific diagnosis and under supervision chronic pain. So these are really important drugs and I wouldn't want anyone to feel stigmatised if they were using them um, under the care of their medical practitioner. It's perfectly appropriate. What we don't want is a situation where people are using them for
0: Wrongs in recreational use, correct, uh, which then becomes something else. Or indeed, people
1: storing them in medicine
0: cupboards just in case
1: or people taking their grandparents or their family member who's suffering with cancer, taking those medications for different pain conditions. And that can lead to significant harm.
0: So if you have a relative who perhaps had to have this medication because of the pain associated with their cancer, then maybe they die uh, leaving a stash of these opioids in the medicine chest. And then someone else has got a, a terrible toothache and they decide, I'll take granny's stuff.
1: Well, it's a common way uh, in which uh, particularly younger people access these medications. They're diverted via a family or relative, merely because they might not be locked away. Um, and that's how many people start on the road to addiction. And it's uh, so we would recommend that people discard of these and there is a flush list of medications from the FDA and all opioids are included in this so it's
0: discarded immediately. Now how do you discard it? it's flushed down the loo, now, uh, We were talking the other day on this program in the green scene about sharks exhibiting bizarre behavior because of their ingestion of cocaine from bales that were either discarded by the drug smugglers or uh, fell overboard or whatever. Irrational behavior on the part. So, what happens if you get fentanyl or, or Oxycontin in the water?
1: I suppose that's something that the 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 FDA have considered, and it's they have a very specific flush list versus not flush list. So it's the very dangerous ones that are encouraged.
0: So, in other words, the fentanyl and the oxycontin will. Dissolve and dilute and become unimportant. Is that? Oh, I don't, Or maybe I, be destroyed in it's, the sewage treatment plants. It's, well, it's a balance. I mean,
1: there's there's definitely environmental considerations there, but the, the 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 risk to human life is so great that they've decided that the balance is certainly in favour of.
0: Discarding. Now we think of overdose as someone maybe uh, taking their own life by an accidental overdose. Um, we uh, think of uh, people. Sometimes who inadvertently a child gets access to a bottle of pills and that's an overdose too. So it comes in many forms.
1: Yeah, and really patients being compliant with medication is very important. Um, so taking them as prescribed, not taking more than they should, not hoarding medications for times of increased distress. With, particularly with dangerous drugs, patients should be aware and should be educated via their doctor and certainly at the National Orthopaedic Hospital in Capa, we're very keen on making sure people have written instructions and they're given clear information, particularly on discharge, that these are controlled drugs and they should be locked away and kept safe.
0: Now, uh, these drugs are used in anaesthesia, uh, but there are Alternatives that are being considered. Yep, there's um, there's a big push towards um, opioid-free
1: anesthesia. Um, I'm not, I wouldn't be in any way, shape, or form a zealot of that. So a balanced approach. So using lesser amounts of opioid would be important. Tailoring our approach to the patient. Lots of my colleagues again at CAPA would be great advocates of regional anesthesia, and lots of our surgeries done under regional anesthesia. So That means giving local anesthetic to numb the part of the body that's been operated on. Patients often think of that as potentially distressing that they might be awake mm. during the surgery but they'll well, often be well, comfortable.
0: and um, my My late mother, um, she was mugged in the street and um, she had to get, ultimately get a hip replacement but because she had slightly elevated blood pressure they couldn't knock her out. So they gave her an epidural and she recounted being able to hear the the hammer and chisel and <laughs> all of that, but she couldn't feel a thing. And the brave woman that she was, she put up with it and it, it was a great job that lasted the rest of her life. But you can do all sorts of things under local anaesthetic.
1: Yes, indeed. And we and specifically looking at hip and knee replacements, your, your outcome would be better with a regional technique, so a spinal epidural type approach. But in general... We, we, patients don't get distressed. That would, that wouldn't wouldn't, we wouldn't allow that to happen. Patients would, would be comfortable and taken care of during yeah. that procedure.
0: Now, the other thing for people who inadvertently or advertently uh, OD on some of these things, there is uh, a counteractive so, agent, naloxone.
1: So, so naloxone, is it's a very potent uh, reversal agent for all opioids. So it works again on the opioid receptor and antagonises the, the action of the opioid. And, and it's instant, isn't it? It is very much instant. If, if you've seen it given intravenously, um, it, it's an immediate response or an immediate reversal of the opioid effects. So things we would see in somebody who has opioids is reduced um, respiratory drive. So they'll have a very low respiratory rate of small pupils. So there are kind of signs that this potentially an opioid overdose. They would be administered naloxone in an emergency situation. Again, not my area of, of specialty, but intranasal naloxone would be
0: Used yeah. more and more frequently, and is certainly commonplace. Well, I'm sure all the paramedics in the ambulances have access to naloxone. I know in Merchants Key, uh, in the, the facility there, they have naloxone. Uh, I don't know whether there's naloxone in the Cars. I'm not sure. I don't know either. I'm sorry, I can't. But perhaps there there, there should be. Anyway, it's a salutary message today, Connor, isn't it? Uh, to, to steward your opioids carefully.
1: Yes, choose choose the the right patient for the. Right um, medication and be aware of what medications you are taking and and take care to guard them against diversion.
0: And don't be self medicating with other people's meds. Absolutely, yes. All right, Dr. Connor Hirty, consultant in pain medicine and anesthesiology at the National Orthopaedic Hospital in Kappa. Thank you very much. The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance on News Talk.